it's Alexandra Smiljanik here. Welcome to the Foundations of Success, part of our Clinical Practice Made Easy podcast. I'm a coach, NLP practitioner, healthcare professional, chiropractor, practice owner and coach of the Business Growth Mastermind Wellbeing Revolution, Complete Practice, Mastery and the Associate Mentorship Group. In today's session, what I want to talk to you about is decision making. And I think this is a fundamental part of being excellent and an expert in clinical practice. Ever had a problem making a decision? It really can be challenging to make decisions at times. Sometimes it can be what to have for tea. Other times it can be life-changing decisions like where are we going to live? What are we going to do with our lives going forward? We're usually at a fork in the road. Is it the two or three options ahead or is it to go back? So why is it so difficult for most of us to make decisions? And quite often it can be a number of things. It can be that we don't necessarily want to take responsibility. If somebody else decides, then um, we don't have to live with the consequences of that decision or feel that that's our fault. We might take the wrong path. We might make a right decision and a wrong decision and not know how to make our way back. We may feel like we can't go back um, there, there'll be a door closed behind us if we don't decide to take this next step. Sometimes we're fearful of making mistakes and what that might mean. It could mean that um, we're embarrassed or ashamed or uh, in some way feel that um, people aren't going to look at us in the same way if we do something and it doesn't quite go to plan. So decisions are pretty tough. But one thing I do know is that most of the successful people that I know are very, very good at making decisions. They've really worked at exercising and developing their decision-making muscle. And they do a couple of things. The first thing is, is they make decisions quickly. And what I mean by that is that they don't necessarily rush a decision. They definitely think it through, but they don't spend so long gathering all the data, information, facts, and tiny, tiny details that the opportunity has passed them by. If things go to, don't go to plan, which they, do for all of us, not everything that we try works. All they do is brush themselves off so that didn't go to plan and then make another decision. The way I kind of visualize it is that you're running a race and the faster you run, the quicker the progress you're gonna make. And the decisions are the hurdles that you jump and sometimes you're gonna fall and have to get yourself back up. And other times you're just gonna be able to leap right over and carry on running. But what I do know is that if you don't decide, all that you do is you stand in front of the hurdle and nothing happens and no progress is made. So I would think that this is probably one of our strongest um, armories for practice is to be really, really strong and certain at making decisions. Doesn't mean we're always certain at the outcome of those decisions, but we're pretty certain um, that we can make a decision and decide and stick by that. So when we're making decisions, I think that there are really two directions. We're either trying to move away from a problem, so we want to get away from some pain pretty fast, and, and that's generally very motivating. The other reason that we want to make decisions is to move something towards some pleasure, something that we love and that motivates or inspires us or a dream or a goal. And I would say probably most people spend their time moving away from pain. And, and that's why as healthcare practitioners, we're usually quite busy. And, and most of the time, the reason people come and see us is not because they want to look after their well-being. It's because they've got a problem and they want us to help fix it. 
So we've got two real groups here that are having to make decisions and it's us as the practitioner and then it's our patients too. So it's vital as the practitioner really that we are very, very strong at making decisions. And what I mean by that is, is not decisions for our patients, ultimately our patients decide for themselves, but that we are really uh, very clear about what we understand and think about their case and what we would recommend for it. So some of the areas where we're gonna need to make some decisions are knowing what questions to ask, what tests we're gonna do, the diagnosis that we're going to give, the plan of care that we're going to offer that person, what we think the prognosis is, and we're not necessarily deciding that, but we are, because um, we can't always know what the outcome's going to be, but what we are doing is saying whether we think it's good, fair or poor. And then we're going to look at what we can do if things don't go to plan, if that case isn't responding in the way we would expect. So I think those are the main sets of decisions that we have as practitioners. The patients are going to have quite a few decisions too. So the first would be to choose you, for you to be the person they're going to come and see. And that depends a lot on our marketing and how we're presenting ourselves and if somebody's referred the patient to us. They're then choosing to actually come into the building or communicate with us online or um, start the process to show up. Then they're choosing to come back and some of us split our results sessions and some of them do them in the same visit, but the choice is to then make the decision to actually say, yeah, I like what you're offering and I'm gonna see you again. Then they have to choose to start. Are they gonna start the process in the journey? And then they choose to carry on. So I think when you look at those sets of choices, we've probably got a few things um, that will have an impact on what makes it easy for the patient to decide and what makes it easy for us to decide. So I've got four things that I think will help you as practitioners to make your decisions in practice. And I think the first thing is number one, to be really prepared. Um, it's pretty obvious, but if you have more information, you're probably gonna make a better decision or a more informed decision, or it might be quicker to make a decision. Sometimes we already have a few options in mind. So thinking about what questions are we actually gonna ask our patient? You know, is this, some, is this a normal case? Are there some standard questions that we think are really important to include? Then what do you already know about them? You know, do you know that they've got, what problem they've already got? Do you know um, who's bringing them in? Have you got already information about who, who's referred them and they've told you something about that person? Um, that will give you an idea on what they that patient may like or not like and help you decide um, what choices to make in terms of what questions you ask or how you take care of them. In our practices, we have a, what's called a testing screen. So we have basic tests that we do on every patient, which makes us feel as though we've done a really thorough, thorough assessment. And then if a patient comes in with things that are outside side of that screen, um, could be a different condition that's just not the basic standard um, care, then we would have the ability to and the time to do the extra tests in that visit. But what being prepared in terms of your testing um, offers you is a routine that makes that so simple to do with um, in a way that you can actually show off your skill set to your patient so that they can feel like you're the expert but also what that screen um, offers you is extra time. 
you're not busy thinking what test am I going to do next all the time it just runs straight one test into the other because you know that's part of your normal process and then you have extra time to do extra tests if you need to also it's really worth thinking about um, preparing your diagnosis so we split our new patient and our results session and we do that because we want our practitioners to have time to think about a case if something walks in that you're not expecting it's really useful to have a window of time to ask for help and you don't have to make decisions by yourself most of us have people that we work with obviously i work in masterminds and um, my well-being revolution facebook group and there are other places where you can go to ask for help with diagnosis and the decisions that you need to make, especially if cases aren't straightforward. And then the last thing is really making sure you're prepared with the prognosis. In our practice, we won't take a patient on if the prognosis is poor. We want to send that person to somebody else that's going to help them. We've made that decision already. If their prognosis is fair, we're going to be really upfront with the patient and say we think we've got a chance. So we're going to try these, these, this process with you, but we want you to know from the very beginning. And if we think the prognosis is good, then we're pretty happy to go ahead. The second thing that we, we want to kind of give you as a tool is uh, with decision making is really remembering that whatever you decide, it is a working diagnosis. You really can't predict the future in care. The more experienced you become, you can see patterns and you can think, OK, the likelihood is this is what's going to happen next with a case like this. But we don't always know what's going to happen. So if you remember, it's a working diagnosis and it doesn't really matter what healthcare profession you're in, um, whether you're a neurosurgeon or a chiropractor like me, um, you're always thinking this is what it looks like at this very moment in time. But things can change. The last thing I think, um, one of the, the other things, number three, that helps with decision making is to reassess. If we've got more information, we can look back at what happened in the beginning. We can look back at what's happening now and we can compare the two. Then we're always going to be more armed and more prepared for what may happen next because we've got data. That helps decision making. It helps us know how somebody's responded before. So we can think and really help us predict how they may respond in the future. And then the last thing I would say from a healthcare point of view is really practice making decisions. You are going to make mistakes. I don't know anybody who's successful that hasn't. But the more decisions you make, the easier it becomes, the more successful you feel. And also you start to develop an armory of what to do when things don't go to plan because you've experienced it. From a patient point of view, decision-making is tough. They haven't got the same expertise as us. They're coming from a place of fear sometimes and also often they're in pain. It may have been for a really long time um, and they may be worried about if this problem's ever gonna go away. So if you have that emotional loading onto um, a decision, it makes it feel a lot bigger and a lot scarier. So I think the thing that the patients need to see from us is number one, leadership. They need to know that we're the expert, that we're the one who has got the skill set to take them on the journey. The second thing is they need to see some certainty. They don't want to see from us that we're going to try things or test things or see how things go. They want to know that this has happened before. We've seen many cases like this. We have a lot of experience with this type of problem 
and 90% of the people that we see respond really, really well. If we can reduce the risks, patients will be more happy to make a decision. And I think that we can do that in a few ways. One is really increasing certainty. The second is knowing that, number one, they can stop at any time. You know, they're not signing up for care. They can make a decision to come whenever they want and leave whenever they want, but we would recommend that they followed our plan. The second thing is, is if things don't go to plan, we have a plan. And I think sometimes um, we can be scared of talking about that. Not all patients improve. Not everybody responds in the way that we expect. So if we've got a plan of what we do when somebody doesn't respond, a patient will feel reassured by that. And for us, we talk about that in the results session. You know, we expect you to respond. We wouldn't take you on if we didn't. But this is what we do if a patient doesn't respond. And you can just see them take a breath and relax straight away because they're thinking, okay, you know, I'm ready to try this and and give this approach a go. And I know what the next step is if it doesn't work for me. And I think patients are really, really smart. They know very, very well if um, you're telling them there's 100% certainty they're going to improve or they're definitely going to improve or you're making promises. It's just not true and it doesn't feel right for us to say it. And patients don't believe it either. So we have a few places where we can help our patients make decisions. And I think one is obviously how we advertise and communicate about ourselves and represent ourselves outside of our practices. But I think a couple of ways that we can do it is when they're with us, obviously making sure that we're giving them the impression that we're a leader and a professional. But being an expert in the new patient is vital. And I think that demonstrating we know our tests, we know our questions, we know our history, Um, we understand their problem and they really feel that will make that decision-making process easier for them. In the results session, I think a patient needs to see how what you're telling them makes sense to them in their existing story of the problem. That's quite a big sentence. So they quite often come in with a story of where it started, how it happened, and sometimes they don't know. they'll talk about how it's impacting them and and, and how how they want to see that change over time and in the future. And if our story of what we're telling them is what's happened is miles and miles and miles away from where they've come in in their mindset, it's going to be really difficult for them to digest it. So quite often when I'm giving a results session, I will relate the results to what they do every day. I'll relate it to their stress. I'll relate it to the repetition. I'll relate it to their circumstances because now they can see how this solution that we're offering fits into their life and their story and what's already happened for them. I think the other main thing is making sure that a patient has options. For those of you who've got kids, there's a challenge with options. So if you tell a small child, go and pick a pair of shoes, They can be massively overwhelmed because there's just too much choice. So they end up really procrastinating and um, not doing what you say and then they get distracted and then you're thinking, just choose a pair. And just for adults, it's the same. Too many choices is overwhelming. So our patients do wanna see that we've given them some structure in terms of what we think they should do next. They need a path from us. I think that only one choice is challenging 
because that means starting or not starting. So if I say to my patient, we can do this and this is it, then they've either got to love what I'm recommending and, and it makes sense to them and start or not love it and stop. And I think there's many, many ways to achieve success with a patient. So what we do is we would normally offer a patient two or three options. Now that might mean um, the options in terms of the recommendations we give, we can fast track this, we can see this many times, and we think we'll probably get a quicker result. We can make this a slower process for you and space the appointments out, but we expect a slower response from care. We can give patients that are um, have challenging cases that probably need co-management the option to start with us now and have a referral um, process going on at the same time and then hopefully we'll have improved by the time the referral comes through or we can start and have a co-management process at the same time or we can completely refer out and delay the beginning of care. Yeah. I'm always cautious about that option because most of the time what I see when we do that process is patients don't start because really with any decision when your patient is sat in front of you that is their highest point of motivation um they've got in the car or they've got online they've done the research they've already gone through the process with you and normally if a patient doesn't decide to prioritize what you're suggesting really kind of straight away or within a week or so usually um, something else is going to come up and become a new focus and a new priority and things change Yes, very rarely patients do come back, but most of the time life takes over. So I hope that this has been a useful episode in just talking to you about decision making, giving you some of our tools to create a, a place where we're making decisions more easily, a place where it makes it more easy for our patients to make decisions, but remembering that decision making is really developing a muscle the more decisions we make, the more successful we become. The faster we just get over our mistakes and make a new decision, the quicker we make progress.